Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, my friend, and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. This is going to be another fun one, and it was inspired by a conversation I had last week. I got a LinkedIn message from somebody in Latin America, and she works for a huge global company, and they want to do something special for their female employees in honor of National International Women's Day. And the theme for this year's International Women's Day is Break the Bias. And so we talked about what I could talk about. And then she said, and I would love it if in addition to self-sabotage and self-doubt and confidence and overwhelm and productivity and all that good stuff that I usually talk about, if you could talk about breaking the bias. And I said, well, sure. I don't have anything exactly on that topic, but everything I do is on that topic. And there's a very simple recipe to breaking through bias. And then I told her what the recipe was and her jaw just kind of dropped. She's like, that's so simple and that would really work. Yeah, it works. And that is why my clients come to me after maybe years of being stuck in a career. And they have been trying so hard to get unstuck and get respect and build relationship and credibility and all that good stuff. And they just haven't been taught the right way. So this is one of the things I have loved teaching people over the years. I call it influence. I haven't called it breaking the bias. I've called it influence and it is. And so let's just talk about that word bias. I think we're even biased about the word bias. So let's just say what we all know. Bias is real. Everyone has it. It's not even necessarily good or bad. It just is neutral. It is. And it is based on our brain's wiring. Our brain is wired for, it's still wired for tribal days. And back then we needed to be able to detect differences, subtle differences, because you know, somebody might be invading the tribe and gonna go steal your women and worse. So we needed to be able to spot differences and we most readily spot differences that we see. And it's not just our skin color, our gender, our age. Those are the big ones, but it can be anything. It can be the sweater you're wearing that reminds somebody of their mean third grade teacher or your hair color or your hairstyle reminds you, reminds him of your ex. Or maybe you walk with a cane and they make assumptions based on that. So the good news about bias is that it can be broken quickly. Now, instead of break the bias, I talk about breaking through bias because it's there. But how do we help it just kind of dissolve and let us in? The fastest way to break bias is to build relationship. And there is a myth that relationships take a long time to build. Not true. In fact, you can be in a so-called relationship with somebody for a very long time, but not feel like you have true intimacy and connection with that person. So it's not about time, nor is it about pretending you're someone you're not. 
It's not about schmoozing or being inauthentic. You don't have to learn to play golf to be influential or learn about any sports. Although I am a huge fan of sports metaphors because even if you didn't play sports, everybody can relate to them. So you have to be real, you have to be authentic, but you also have to be strategic. You have to know which real parts to bring forward and how much to dial up the strength or the warmth. So why is relationship so important? Okay, well, you've probably listened to my podcast about this, but I have a model called ROAR. And it's a pyramid. And at the bottom is the R, which stands for relationship. And at the top is the last R, results. Now, we all know how important results are in business and in life. But if you go for results without having relationship, just think about that. Think about a time in your life when you were on a team or in a culture at a company that was very results driven, but not very relationship driven. The relationships were very surface. There was very little intimacy. Well, even before Google did their study, their Aristotle study, where they found out that the most high-performing teams were the ones that had actual relationship and respect and trust and could talk about anything. I mean, this is a no-brainer, right? I mean, now we just think, of course, but now that Google proved it, well, it must exist. But you know this personally. When you have a great relationship with somebody, it is so much easier to influence them. And let's be clear, influence is a good thing. We all want to be positive influenced. Nobody wants to be manipulated into doing something they don't want to do that's not in their good best interest. But we all want to be influenced to make better decisions, to be our best self. And it feels good to be in relationship with somebody. Yeah, bias can feel good too if you're cheering against another team and you're all bonding and uh, you know against the other team. But that's not lasting. That's tribal and usually that's very surface level and it goes away very quickly but when we have you know these biases they don't feel good what we want is psychological safety where we can be ourselves and we can do that when we have relationship when you have relationship you can say anything and be given the benefit of the doubt so Oh, and just in case you're curious about what the other letters stand for in ROAR, it's relationship, which is the bottom of the pyramid. If you have a relationship, then you can have honest conversations and you can talk about objectives. And if you have a good relationship, you can realize that you may have disparate objectives. Then you can come to agreements. And if you don't have a relationship, people will pretend to agree. That's the good old corporate nod. And then things will break down. If you have a relationship, after you have agreements, people will take predictable actions. They'll agree upon what actions need to be taken and they'll do it. And then, depending on the world and if things have changed out there, you'll get the results you expected to. You'll get results you like. But without relationship, forget the rest. It's not gonna happen. And any results you do get will be fleeting. And people will flee because nobody wants to be in a culture where there is no relationship and psychological safety. All right, so you ready? The fastest way to build relationship is through radical curiosity. Now, 
if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, including the interview with Ebony Beckworth, she gave me this term. I, <laughs> I love it. I've always been talking about curiosity, but she gave me the radical part of the curiosity. And she embodies it, and man, has it helped her career. And yes, she is a beautiful, youngish-looking, I have no idea how old Ebony is at this point, um, but she's a beautiful, youngish-looking Black woman who is at the top in the C-suite. So this has worked for her, and it works for all of my clients. So let me help you figure out how to actually do radical curiosity, because it is so rare, and you are not going to see a lot of examples of it. What we do instead is we're self-focused. Instead of putting all of our attention and interest and focus on the other person, we bring a focus that's anchored in our needs, our wants, our assumptions, and our painful emotions. You know, maybe we have a lot of anxiety or shame about not being in the job we want to be in, not making the salary we think we deserve. Maybe we have anger about that, resentment about that. You think people can't feel it when you have those emotions? They can. So that's usually what we're bringing. And so let's say, let's say a woman wants to get a promotion and there's bias against her. So to counter the bias, she might try to work harder than everyone else to prove she deserves it. She might take on extra assignments, uh, express her desire to move up in the organization. And then periodically she might ask her manager how, how she's doing. And then she'll commit to working on herself, improving herself. So let me just pause and say on behalf of all managers and all executives, whether you are a woman, a man, a subject of bias or not, no manager wants to have that conversation with you. No manager wants to talk about your performance. No manager wants to even hear the word feedback. It has been ruined. It is the, an awkward, uncomfortable conversation. So even though you are well-intentioned, even just asking for that conversation is going to put a wedge between you and the person you're asking. Now, I'm sure there are some exceptions out there, but for the most part, nobody wants to have that awkward conversation. Now, this does not mean that you can't find out these things. But let's face it, a lot of people are getting ahead without working on things that leadership wants them to work on because they have relationship and because they are leveraging their strengths so their weaknesses don't matter as much. So I don't want you to dig yourself into a hole by having this well-meaning but very awkward conversation about how am I doing? Can you give me some feedback? What would it take for me to get to the next level? All well-intentioned. And maybe you can find this out later, but first you need to have a different kind of conversation that people not only enjoy, but that will actually fuel your career instead of stunt it. So in that conversation, here are some things you need to do. First, you drop any resentment, fear, and other baggage, and then get curious. Now, this is one case where, like I told my women in my group yesterday, it is okay if you fake curiosity, as long as you have a really great strategy, 
really great questions and you ask them in a curious tone and you allow time for the person to think and respond. Because it is really hard to cultivate curiosity. If you can do it, great. And I give people questions that will help them cultivate curiosity before they ever go into the conversation. But this is one of those things that is proven to you so quickly that you're going to become a curious person regardless. So no matter how much you are focused on yourself, if you just follow the instructions, you are going to get so much information, have such a better conversation that this is going to become your default. I have a client who is asking just one question, one follow-up question in every conversation she has with her direct reports. And it has changed her life. It has changed her results. She is getting so much more information, actionable information, and people aren't afraid of her anymore. She was very intimidating. She has a very quick thinking brain and she was very directive, uh, trying to figure out what was, what was wrong. And people were so triggered that they weren't sharing enough information with her. And the simple question she keeps asking is what else? Notice how she asks it in that curious tone and saying, what else, what else is going wrong? She'll ask them a question like, how did the meeting go? Or, Okay, what's the status of the project? And they'll say something. And then of course, there's much, much more to uncover. So she'll just ask, what else? She says, Denise, I am getting so much more information and people are happier in their conversations with me. And I'm just shocked that they always have something else to say. So this has opened up a whole new world and it's two words. All right, so that's just one question. I give my people a list of questions. So I have a tool called Aloha, and that's more for coaching conversations like she's having. Those conversations where you want to help somebody assess the situation and you want to assess the situation, then you want to learn as much as you can learn about the situation. Then you want to offer help. Um, and that offering help may just be to help the person think about it differently and access their own brilliance and their own solutions. And then the last A stands for action. How do you now help somebody um, plan for roadblocks? How are they going to get it? How, uh, what accountability partner do they need? Um, when, do you gonna, when are you going to check back in? So those are Aloha questions, mostly used with the direct report. But then there are reputation building questions, influencing questions. That's a whole different thing. It's a very different conversation, and it's usually with senior leaders. And it's the opposite of that awkward conversation we were talking about. Senior leaders love, love when people have this conversation with them. And it is very, very rare. So when somebody does have this radically curious conversation that is focused entirely on the senior executive, then it propels their career because it breaks through the bias and you become somebody who is so valuable to senior leaders. And it does not matter how long you've been in the organization. So this is the fastest way to improve your reputation or to start with a great reputation. Because when you do this right, you're going to find similarities. And all the brain needs in order to break through bias and trust somebody is one similarity. That's what opens the door. So when you ask these questions, and these are open-ended questions, they start with what, when, 
how they never start with why, because why is a trigger word for most brains. You ask follow-up questions until they share something that you have in common with them. Or they share something that you have valuable insights about. But best to share something that you have in common first, because that's going to break through the bias. And now when you offer these insights about these things that are troubling them, keeping them up at night, you will be seen as not only somebody they can relate to, but somebody they need to speak with on a regular basis because you have such valuable insights. So besides breaking bias and replacing it with rapport, these kind of radically, uh, radically curious conversations will give you information about how this person likes to be influenced. And we all want people to influence us in the way we like to be influenced. So you're not doing anybody any favors when you use the same influence strategy because it's comfortable for you. Like for example, maybe you like receiving reams of data and maybe you like a hundred point, a hundred page PowerPoint presentations that go into every detail. I do know that there are some executives out there that like these things, but they are few and far between. If you send me something like that, I don't even know if I'll open it up. So you have to find out how they like to be influenced and then you do it. You'll feel better. You'll save time. They'll appreciate it more. So this is how we not only improve our reputations, but we build relationship and respect and trust in business. It, it doesn't just feel good. I've, I've read the quote that says it's the grease on the wheels of progress or the grease on the wheels of business. Sure, there are companies out there that don't have a lot of trusting relationships. I'm glad I don't work in them. It's hard. It's draining. Sure, they can succeed, but people are going to burn out. Because when we are in situations, departments, companies, cultures, where there is bias, where there is low relationship, it damages our nervous system. The way we build up our nervous system is by being in safe relationships where we can say anything and not feel judged. Okay, so when it comes to building trust, I've got another recipe for you and it has four main ingredients. I call it CRI, not that kind of CRI, but C-R-I-I. -I. Okay. So the C stands for competence. You got to be smart enough. You got to have enough skills. You do not need to be an expert, but you need to be competent enough to do the job. Kind of a no brainer, right? Reliable. Do you do what you say you'll do? Intent. Are your interests and motives transparent and aligned? So if you're in a different department than me, you may have positive intent, but your intention may just be misaligned with mine because we have different priorities. And they're actually it's CRRI for those taking notes. So even though the R comes earlier, I'm leaving it for last because the last R is, of course, relationship. So, yeah, you got to know what you know. 
you got to do what you say you're going to do. You got to have trusting intentions and aligned intentions. But if you have relationship, if I feel like I trust you, I enjoy being with you, I have things in common with you, guess what? I'm going to give you a hall pass on those other things. I'm going to put up with you not knowing as much. I'm going to put up with you being late with something. I'm going to put up with you even having different priorities than me. We can talk about it because we have relationship. So I'm willing to forgive deficits in the other three. And that is why less experienced people who maybe don't have as much competence, quote unquote competence, can pass by people who are experienced and who are really hard workers. And you can be mad at this if you want, or you can just do something about it and build relationship with the people that you need to influence, build relationship with the influencers and the decision makers. And it's going to be fun. This is how my clients get unstuck. And it doesn't matter what age they are, what race they are. I see so many women sitting down and having this conversation. And when they do it right, asking the right questions, sharing when it's right to share, being appropriately vulnerable, it's just magic. And I can't even tell you how happy it makes me. I'm getting a little teary right now because, you know, I have, I have always been, since I was a kid, I always rooted for the underdog. <laughs> now, the underdog needed to be talented, but, you know, my family, we, I grew up in Kansas and there's not a lot to do there. So sports is a big thing. And I always found myself rooting for really talented underdogs. Maybe it was the team that didn't have as much money or sponsorships or didn't have the nicest um, arena. But, I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of teams like the Dallas Cowboys. They had all the money. They had all whatever. So it's a dumb metaphor maybe, but I've always been for the And this is why I love working with people who do experience a lot of bias because I have been fortunate enough to figure out how to break through it. And in my own career, even though I had a French degree, I had serious injuries, uh, I was able to excel in a technology company. And it was because I knew enough, I knew what my strengths were, I was authentic, I was loving, I was fun, I was easy to make relationship with, and I respected people's differences and I respected people's styles. And so people enjoyed working with me. I'm kind of a love machine, but I still have bias because I have a human brain. And I'm going to give you an example of this. So just two days ago, I was thinking about this topic and I'm out on a walk and I have left a card, a, a holiday card, uh, a few weeks ago on my neighbor's porch. My neighbor is a white man, probably mid-70s, and, you know, we just say hi every once in a while. And I knew that his wife had passed, and we hadn't had a conversation about it, and um, I only even know his first name. So I had bias about this man, and to me, he just seemed like a friendly grandfather. I had no curiosity about him. But um, he was out, he was out on his sidewalk and I stopped 
with my dog, turned my body toward him, and just gave him my heartfelt condolences. And he said to me, that was, you know, he thanked me, and then he said, that was a beautiful card you gave me. And then he did something so brilliant. <laughs> he asked me about my daughter. She was on the card, so that was a smart opening. And he's obviously a father and a grandfather, I mentioned that. He asked me about her, which was absolutely brilliant because who doesn't want to talk about their kids, right? So that started a 10-minute conversation that if you could have seen the oxytocin in the air, that just that's the love chemical when you feel a connection to somebody. We had such an amazing conversation. I found out that not only his wife, but her eight sisters also went to the school that my daughter is now going to. So, you know, she's a legend. And um, we just started to have the most interesting conversation. And I learned that he is one of the most fascinating people I have ever met. Well, then again, I haven't had conversations like this. So I might have met so many fascinating people and I just haven't had the radically curious conversation with him. So I'm just laughing at myself thinking, here I am biased against this guy. And he is so interesting. And I hope you understand that when I say bias, it wasn't that I thought anything uh, bad about him. I just didn't think anything magnificent about him. And there are magnificent people all around us. Everybody has stories. I started with vulnerability and love, and then he responded with authenticity and curiosity, radical curiosity. I mean, I can't even tell you, this conversation went in so many interesting and unpredictable places. And at the end, we, we were talking about people who come in and out of our houses, who live with us, and I mentioned, yeah, I'm sure you've seen my partner, um, he's from Senegal. And he paused, and he thought, and he said, they have a good soccer team. I said, you mean football? He says, yes. <laughs> and I said, yes, they do. And they just won last night. Now, like, two white people on a corner <laughs> talking about now Senegalese football. And I told him, yeah, they're going into the African Cup finals. And he goes, oh, that's great. So now we'll get to see them in the World Cup. I'm just thinking, this is all so surreal. But when you embody an open heart, and radical curiosity, and you let go of your assumptions, the world becomes so small. And it just so much more amazing. So I'm going to invite you to think about who you want to have this kind of conversation today. And it can be the barista at your coffee shop. But who do you want to just find out about? Because when you open the lid on somebody's story, it just makes life so much more interesting in addition to making your career more fulfilling. And I want everybody to get the success they want and to have the ease they want and to have relationships they want. And this is the way to do it. So next time you feel like asking somebody for feedback, and uh, what do I need to do in order to get the job? Please don't. <laughs> Maybe you can do that after you have the rapport, and then you'll actually get the information you need. And it may be that, well, there isn't anything you can do right now. You're amazing, but the policy right now just won't let me do it. 
wouldn't that be a nice, honest conversation to have? And then you can decide, is it worth it for me to stay here and wait because I have this wonderful relationship with my senior leaders, or do I want to go on? And you'll be making that, com you'll be making that decision consciously and without resentment and with a heart full of love and gratitude. All right, so let's go break some bias and just enjoy the people around you wherever you go today. And of course, if you'd like to talk with me about your career and you are a female professional who feels stuck, or maybe you managed to get the job you wanted, but it was because you were faking it and you were overworking and you were overcommitting and now you're burning out or you're suffering from imposter syndrome. If any of that is happening for you and you want to make it stop so that you get this career filled with ease and joy and satisfaction and pride and love and success, then we should have a conversation because I want to help you figure out what it is that's keeping you stuck and what you need to do to unravel it. So I do have a masterclass that has the five shifts you have to make. The five shifts I made early. And I didn't know at the time what I was doing. I just knew that I had to do something different because I broke my back when I was 22, right before starting my career. So I couldn't sabotage and overwork in the way that other people were doing. And now I share this with others before they break, ideally. So if you want my help, just uh, click the link in the show notes and we'll have a conversation and it is going to be fun. There might be tears, I don't know, but it's going to be fun and you're gonna have so much clarity when we're done. This is what I'm committed to in the world, is helping people stop suffering, learn what I learned before they break and get the life they want, All right? Thanks my friend, have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.